Welcome to Liberté, Galité, Fraternité and all that, a podcast about current affairs, foreign policy, politics and governments behaving badly. Episode 4 The Problem with Tulsi So I promised this episode a while back and then stuff just made me put the podcast on hold for a while. And while thankfully Tulsi is increasingly irrelevant, this does have the problem of making this episode a little dated, but she does symbolize a particularly tedious conspiratorial form of politics, so I do want to talk about her while she is still nominally running for president. Now on paper, Tulsi Gabbard would be an ideal candidate. She's young, she's attractive, she's charismatic, she's a war veteran, and you would think she would be marked for bigger things in the Democratic Party. Unfortunately, her presidential run is going nowhere, and her congressional career is basically over, and her future job prospects are likely a talking gig on Fox News. Tulsi is a religious minority, Hindu, and though to the confusion of many, she's actually not of Indian descent. Unfortunately, some of the attacks on her do reek of religious bigotry. And there's really no need to go down that path. The biggest problem for Tulsi Gabbard in some ways is that she is from Hawaii. Personally, I feel she would be much more comfortable in the Republican Party. But people who want a future in politics in Hawaii pretty much end up running as Democrats. And Tulsi has always been an awkward fit among Hawaii Democrats. Tulsi Gabbard's father is one of the state's most notorious homophobes, and a young Tulsi appeared in his gay-bashing videos when she was a teenager. Yet, as she entered politics after her term of duty, Tulsi Gabbard had transitioned into a supporter of gay rights. And for obvious reasons, there were many who doubted the genuineness of this conversion. The bigger problem for many Democrats is what Tulsi did once she got to Congress. She developed a reputation of going on Fox News to attack the Democratic Party, particularly President Obama, and often kept parroting tedious Republican talking points. Particularly, she developed a reputation for attacking President Obama's foreign policy from the right. Now, for some reasons, many right-wing conservatives believe that winning the war on terror requires using the magic word of calling it Islamic terror. Now, American presidents prior to Donald Trump have avoided labeling this with a broad brush of Islamic terror for the obvious reasons that the vast number of Muslims in the world have nothing to do with this, and Muslims are actually the group most often killed by groups like ISIS and Al-Qaeda. The tag achieves nothing in practical terms, we know who the enemy is, and it alienates many by painting too broad a brush. There's really no need for it. But people on the right keep throwing this out as if it's some sort of magic bullet that's going to solve the whole problem. Now, what the war of terror actually comes down to is a particular virulent strain of Islam that frankly originates in our so-called ally Saudi Arabia, but that's going to be another podcast episode. And... It really makes no sense to just use the broad brush and tag every Muslim sect in the world under this war of terror. 
But it is the Syrian civil war that helped alienate many Democrats for, from Tulsi. For all her current reputation, self-proclaimed reputation, that is, as a peacenik, Tulsi is an eager advocate of the military arm of the war on terror. The problem is, during the Syrian conflict, she repeatedly and eagerly parroted Russian and Syrian regime propaganda, tagging all opponents of Bashar al-Assad and his regime as terrorists. When the Assad regime committed atrocities in Aleppo and gassed civilians, Tulsi engaged in atrocious both-siderism and denialism about the regime's culpability. And once again, time and again, she repeated regime propaganda and issued silly statements like, oh, we don't know who was responsible, we need to investigate, when it was pretty clear who was actually doing the bombing. And time and again, including during the debates and in the press interviews right after the debates, her refusal to call Assad a war criminal has verged on parody. And then, during the 2016 campaign, Gabbard suddenly turned uber-progressive. She endorsed Bernie Sanders, which was somewhat a confusing transition given a previous conservative-ish track record. And then, as the Trump administration took office, she was actually being whispered as a possible member of his cabinet. Again, stuff that's not going to exactly endear you to the Democratic Party. And it does not help when... You see news articles calling her Steve Bannon's favorite Democrat. Now, she did not join the clown show known as the Trump cabinet, but her gaslighting of the party continued. One of the core essentials of American governance is civilian control of government and the military. It is extremely rare for the Secretary of Defense to be a general. But Donald Trump, by many people who dodged the draft and never actually served in the army, loves surrounding himself with uniforms. And suddenly his administration, particularly the portions of the administration dealing to national security, were suddenly start with generals. You first had Michael Flynn at the NSA, and luckily he didn't last very long, but he was replaced by another general, H.R. McMaster. And then it was John Kelly at Homeland Security, and later he transitioned to Chief of Staff. And then finally Jim Mattis as Secretary of Defense. Now, the United States is not yet at risk of a military coup, but this is not normal. Some members of Congress express concern and obviously express the belief that civilian control of the military apparatus is something that's important to the American system of government. Now, other than the conspiracy-prone Michael Flynn, and thank God he didn't last very long, there was no real personal objection to any of the other generals. McMaster and Mattis were actually two of the better cabinet members for this disaster of an administration. But again, the appearances of American civilian administration dominated by uniforms is problematic. And then here comes Tulsi, as usual missing the forest for the trees and missing the fundamental point of the concerns about civilian government. And she started attacking these critiques as somehow insulting soldiers. Nobody's insulting soldiers, but there are appearances that matter a big deal on how civilian government functions. And again, it's something that goes way over her head. This gaslighting by Tulsi does not end here. As Donald Trump packs the federal courts with a scary assortment of judges, one of the judges he appointed 
had made comments suggesting that her personal religious beliefs would override the Constitution. Now, naturally, this is problematic, and Gabbard's home state senator, Hirono, asked her about it, and then Tulsi promptly jumped into the fray to attack the respected Hirono, suggesting that she was being hostile to religion and religious people. Again, this is not the point. You can be as religious as you want, but when you hold government office, the constitution comes first, not your personal religious faith. And needless to say, this cheap attack on Hirono did not endear her to the Hawaii congressional delegation. None of them endorsed her when she started a quixotic run for president, and she also promptly drew a well-funded primary rival. And probably seeing the writing in the wall, she pulled out of the congressional race and after her current term is done, her congressional career is over. So Tulsi ran for president. And her run for president has been full of random airings of grievances and conspiracy theories all designed to milk publicity. And the fundamental problem she has is given her track record, the bulk of her support appears to come from the small fraction of the Democratic Party that likes President Trump. And that's not a winning coalition to win a Democratic primary. And so the conspiracy theory starts. When, with so many candidates in the race, the DNC issued debate criteria. And when the debate criteria were published, nobody raised a peep. And naturally, once people's fail to make debate criteria, the usual complaints start. And Tulsi sort of had a point that certain polls that could have got her into the debate were not being considered. But again, when the rules were announced, there was no complaint. And then she goes on, on pretending it's a conspiracy of the DNC to keep her out. Again, the rules were published. She had no complaint at the time. And she complained when she didn't qualify. And once she qualified, she was actually allowed into the debate. So, so much for that conspiracy. And then after the first debate, it appears her IT staff messed up. And so she promptly spun this into a ridiculous conspiracy theory that Google was out to sabotage her campaign, which at that point was polling an intimidating 2%. And she promptly filed a nonsensical $50 million lawsuit against Google for damages. And then the parade of grievances continued. Time and again, she went on Fox News including the most despicable shows on Fox News, Sean Hannity and then Tucker Carlson's White Power Hour, to keep attacking the Democratic Party. And Fox News basically exists as a political wing of the Republican Party, so they're only too happy to bash the Democrats by putting her on there. And then came the clincher. Hillary Clinton, in an interview, noted that the Russians had a tendency to support certain candidates in the primaries. And... Obviously, in the 2016 campaign, there was Donald Trump, but not as well covered were other useful idiots for the Russians, like Jill Stein of the Green Party. And she noted that the Russian bots appeared to be grooming certain candidates in this cycle as well. Now, she didn't actually use the name, but the implication was obvious, because it was noted before Hillary actually made those comments that the Russian bots were actively supporting Tulsi Gabbard's campaign. And so, Tulsi promptly took umbrage about what, frankly, was true. And then she spent the next few weeks desperately fundraising off it, using Hillary Clinton as the foil, 
And finally, as her campaign slowly started running out of steam, more recently she filed another nonsensical $50 million lawsuit against Hillary Clinton. Now, once again, you have to wonder what is the magical power of $50 million. That was the amount she filed a lawsuit against Google. That is the amount she went against Hillary. Who knows? Nobody knows what exactly the magic power there is. And again, during the campaign, from time to time, I will say this, she has launched broadsides against Trump, particularly when Trump aggressively cowed out to the Saudi government and suggested that American soldiers basically would be mercenaries for the Saudi government against Iran. But then when it came to impeachment, and once again, she started parroting Republican talking points about impeachment, about it being excessively divisive. And when push came to shove, in the actual impeachment vote, she spectacularly abdicated responsibility by voting present. She did not have the courage to vote for or against. She voted present. Now, there are some Democrats who have hinted that her ultimate goal is a third-party run, and many fear that any third-party run plays into Trump's hands because it is likely to be a close election in some of the swing states of Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan again, and every vote counts, and a third-party spoiler will help Trump win. Now, Tulsi has denied this, but again, suspicions remain. Thankfully, the longer she stays in the presidential race, it is likely that sore loser laws will rule out this option. And what sore loser laws, not all states have it, but some states have these laws. If you ran in the primary and lost, you cannot then turn around and still run in the general election as an independent or a candidate of another party. Some states allow you to run in as a write-in, which is how Lisa Murkowski survived her loss in the Republican primary a few years ago. And some place like Connecticut allow you to run for another party, but that's not the case everywhere. And there are many states that would bar her from running. So it's somewhat a pity that Tulsi Gabbard's career has come to this. As I said, I think she's trapped in the wrong party. And she could not curb her tendencies to keep gaslighting the Democrats. Now, she keeps presenting this as a matter of principle and how she's not being partisan, but... It's one thing to criticize on substantive policy, and the critiques she throws at the Democrats are basically silly talking points that have no substance. They're all show. And unfortunately, the top lesson she learned from her time being a surrogate for Bernie Sanders is how to reflexively wallow in petty grievances and conspiracy theories and then milk them for all the publicity you can get. And this is toxic to the political discourse. And eventually we'll talk about the Bernie bros and the Bernie Sanders people who, again, reflexively wallow in grievances and spin conspiracy theories when something doesn't go their way. And this does not help. It does not help the political party. It does not help political institutions where everybody's out looking for a way somebody's somebody's being taken advantage of. And yeah, sometimes people act badly, but often they do not. And not every loss is a result of a conspiracy. But Gabbard has had this tendency to wallow in these things, and her support base has. And these are factors that totally pollute a political process. So what's next for Tulsi? My personal guess is that she will eventually end up on Fox News as a talking head, where she will be the latest pretend Democrat, and she will spend her time doing what she does best bash the Democratic Party. 
goodbye and good riddance. So that's it for today. As I said, I've been away for about three months and with the new years, governments behaving badly just seem to be rising and rising in number and there's a lot of material to work with. And I should be back much, much sooner than three months. And so the next time we will move away from the United States to pick on another worthy target, China. So we'll see you next time in the thin-skinned Chinese dictatorship. See you soon. Oh, 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 oh,